Now, Birdsong, fun and fascinating talk about the top stories in today's headlines. Birdsong may just be the most qualified talk show host in the business, thanks to his many careers in law, government, and education. Here's your host, Leonard Birdsong. Hello, folks. This is Birdsong back with you on the radio for another week of news and information. I have my friend EJ here with me, and there's a lot to talk about. Of course, we'll talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of the news that we think is relevant for people to hear. And uh, there will be some dumb criminal law stories, some riddles, and yes, a Paul Harvey story today. We want to start with the good. It was Thursday, the 16th of August, 2018 that Aretha Franklin died. Now, that's not good. However, she left quite a legacy that is good, and we would like to pay homage to her. She uh, had a rich gospel voice. She was singing in her father's choir. She made it to the top of the music charts, and she even sang at three presidential inaugurations. She was 76 years old when she passed away. We just found today that she passed away without having a will or a trust. But under Michigan law, where she lived, the children, the four children, will get her estate or get everything that she had, and they have to divide it among themselves. She was a larger-than-life R&B star. We all know that. She was born in Memphis in 1942 and was considered a child prodigy. She started out singing in her father's Baptist church in Detroit, where she moved with her family around the age of 12. She learned to play piano at a young age and credited that along with her songwriting and arranging talents as an important part of her music making. Already a mother of two boys at age 16, Franklin dropped out of high school and struck out for New York City before she reached 20 years old. She was soon signed by Columbia Records and released her first album, Aretha was the name of it, in 1961. Now, we know about some of that history, but many people don't know that some of her most important work occurred outside the recording studio for the Civil Rights Movement. She became a well-known figure for black empowerment and was a confidant of Dr. Martin Luther King, who first gave his I Have a Dream speech in her father's church. Yes, she did sing for presidents. She was at the inauguration of Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton, and Barack Obama. Maybe her most famous tune is Respect. Otis Redding wrote that, but she, in 1967, recorded it after changing it a bit, and it became an anthem for a nation. Now, Otis Redding, who wrote the song, died in a plane crash as a result of that she didn't like to take planes after that, and she had a tour bus that she went on. I had a chance to see her in Washington, D.C. when I was living there live at Constitutional Hall. That's a venue where a lot of people come to perform. And uh, she was a good person. Let me ask you this bird song. What were your favorite songs? Well, I, I liked a lot of them. Of course, the one that I liked best was Respect because I heard it so often. Back in 1967 and 68, I was a proctor in the Drew Hall dormitory at Howard University. Is that right? And I was um, sort of the father of the younger students there. 
And when Aretha's song came on, when we were supposed to be studying in the evening after classes, everyone in Drew Hall, that four-story dormitory, would open their door and turn up their radio on station WOL, and you could hear Aretha singing Respect all over. Up and down the corridors. Up and down the corridors, up and down the floors. Yes, it was a, <laughs> a phenomenon, but it was a good song. So that was my favorite and the one that I'll always remember. But she was a good stylist. She wrote and wrote songs with her sisters, Irma, and the other sister, whose name I don't remember. But what about you? Do you have a favorite Aretha Franklin song? Well, in 68, I was 16. So I was still in high school. But uh, I'm not sure I have a favorite. But I had, um, I, I realized that the 68, in 68, there were a number of songs she sang. Natural Woman, I like that one. And, uh, Chain of Fools. Chain, chain, chain. Okay, no singing on the radio. <laughs> and, uh, Ain't No Way. These were, you know, she was singing from the perspective of, of a woman who was in love. Now, I was, I guess, too young to know what love was, but it still, uh, resonated. And a young girl, you know, loves to sing those kinds of songs. You still have any of her records or CDs? I'm not sure if I do. Everyone. I don't have a stereo, ev- though. Ev- I every- don't have a every- record player. Well, you know, we have CDs now, too. Many of her things are on CDs. I yeah. still have some of her music on CDs, although I haven't played them for a while. But last week after she passed we heard a lot of her old hits they were on tv on the news and many of the news outlets paid homage to her just like we're doing today mm-hmm. but what i didn't realize i discovered carol king when i was in college and i learned that she wrote many of the songs that aretha franklin sang aretha was a did write music but uh i know respect um, the uh, Carol King, uh, a very popular Jewish writer, uh, wrote many songs for black uh, musicians, like and, vocalists. And, and one was Natural Woman. Right. And um, so we we I I went to a Broadway musical about Carol King and recognized many of those songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not realizing they were written by Carol King, but they were sung by many uh, black vocalists. Yeah, I do. I do recall that there was a, a play on on uh, Broadway uh, last year, a couple of years ago, about the Carol King story. So you saw it, huh? You like it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did. Well, you know, we think of her as a gospel singer, as a soul singer, an R and B singer, but. You know, she had another side. She knew classical music, too. Many people don't know this. She wasn't just a singer. People say she was a superhero. In 1998... Queen. Yes, she was the queen of soul. 20 years ago on Radio City Music Hall, she was uh, at a 1998 Grammy Awards where she was going to sing one of her songs. 
And Lucia Pavarotti was also, who's an opera singer, was supposed to sing his famous song, Nessum Dorma, from the opera Turanda. But he got sick. He couldn't come. He couldn't sing. And uh, the show asked Aretha if she would come on and sing his song, Nessum Dorma. Now, she did sing it. And she sang it so well that there was a standing ovation for her. But the real beauty of this is Nessun Dorma is in Italian. It is in Italian. The whole opera was in Italian, as a matter of fact. At any rate, the guy who wrote it, Puccini, wrote it in his own language. But she had studied enough music that she knew how to sing Nessun Dorma, a very popular operatic song. So she knew classical music. She knew R&B. She knew gospel. She even went to Juilliard when she was about 40 years old to get more training on piano and singing. She was already a star then. Juilliard? Juilliard is the School of the Arts in New York City. Okay. Where a lot of lot of talent get their training. Mm-hmm. But usually you go when you're younger, not when you're 40. <laughs> right. But she is... Uh, Quite a person, was quite a person, and I think we're all better for her and her songs and what she did in the civil rights movement. She devoted or gave money to causes. When they needed money badly, like Martin Luther King might have needed money, um, they knew that if they called her, she would she would uh, contribute. That's right. She felt that that's what she should be doing. But, you know, what I'm always concerned about you know, everyone should have a will. Why would someone like Aretha Franklin, who was so high on the music charts and such a good person, she knew that she was ill. Why wouldn't she have written a will? Seemingly, it would be a lot easier for her family. You know, Prince died a year or so ago, and he left without a will. Several years ago, um, James Brown died. He didn't have a will. Right. Uh, you know, it's just something about that. I would say if you don't want your relatives squabbling and fighting with each other after you pass, you should have a will telling what you want, telling what you want to give to people who are in right, the family right. or other people. Sometimes, well, who knows? She's from the old school, so maybe she felt it's it's a bad luck to think about dying, dying, and that if you write a will, then you're going to bring it on, bring on death sooner. But um but I, I agree with you. Um, she may have wanted to contribute to a worthy cause, one of the causes that she supported in the past. Hmm. Um, we'll, but we'll, I don't we'll know. Never know. We'll never know. Yeah. Uh, unless, you know, she should have had financial advisors. Yeah. And so they would have, you would think, would have been encouraging her to do so. But. All right. As I understand it, she died of advanced pancreatic cancer. And although I'm not a doctor, I understand that pancreatic cancer is one that will get you soon. It goes quickly, anywhere from six months to two months. Once you've been diagnosed, you probably pass away. Well, I understand this is different because people were asking her about that, that they had heard rumors and they approached her about it and she denied having it. She said, "What you where you that 
uh, don't believe everything you hear, but they say that she died from advanced cancer, mm-hmm. from advanced pancreatic cancer. That's right. So it was some form that didn't cause you to go quickly. Mm. Interesting, interesting. Well, it was good to have her. We still have her songs, and we still have her sayings. And like I said, I had a chance to see her in person years ago, Constitution Hall in Washington, D.C., where I lived. Sounds like many years ago. It was it was many years ago. <laughs> but she sang gospel music. She had a gospel album yep. called Amazing Grace. Yep. That sold a lot of albums. Mm. It was one of her best sellers, as a matter of fact. I'm going to list. Let me tell you some songs. She sang I Say a Little Prayer. You should, listeners, you should go on the Internet and just look for some of these songs to... Uh, if you, especially if you don't aren't familiar with them, but she sang so well, so soul, so soulfully. Ain't no way, do right woman, do right man. I like that one. Um, rock steady. Uh, I mentioned chain of fools. How about I say a little prayer? I think I didn't. I just say that. Did you say, I say that? a little prayer. Okay. Respect. I like that one too. That was all the. A lot of these were from the sixty-eight. From sixty-eight. Um. What was that other one? Daydreaming. Yep. I'm so tempted to start singing, and you all would be. <laughs> no, don't do that. Come on. Oh, another. This is one a was, talk I show, not a sing loved, show. <laughs> I never loved a man the way I love you. That's another one. Anyway, look those up. Look them up on the Internet. <sighs> and open up your windows. <laughs> <laughs> or open up your dormitory doors and let it out. Yeah, they said that on the news, too, that people were doing that, in, in especially in Detroit. Play, driving along the roads and yep. opening up your windows. Yep, 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 yep. Well, she will be missed, but... Um she left a great legacy. This is Birdsong. I'm led a good good life. She led a good life. This is Birdsong. I'm here with my friend EJ. We've been paying homage to Miss Aretha Franklin, the Queen of Soul, who passed away on August 16th, 2018. She's gone but not forgotten. We have more. That was the good that we wanted to talk about this week. We have some bad and ugly coming up, so stick with us. Song back with you. I have EJ here. We talked about Aretha Franklin, paying a little homage to her and her career. She was quite a singer, quite a woman, quite a good person. She lived, lived a good life. She was 76 years old when she passed. Now, that was the good. We now need to talk about the bad and the ugly. And as a matter of fact, the bad and the ugly of this week is sort of a tandem kind of thing here. Many of you may know that there is uh, an investigation going on of whether the president of the United States colluded with Russia with respect to the 2016 election. Other things have come out. Did he pay off people who 
wanted to or did say they had a sexual affair with him. We also had no, he had a campaign manager who was on trial. Well, on Tuesday, the 21st of August, it was probably one of the worst days for this president. Why is that? That's because on the same day, within an hour of each other, Michael Cohen, his private lawyer who worked for Donald Trump for years, pled guilty in open court, federal court in New York, to eight charges ranging from not paying his taxes for five or six years, for helping with a campaign finance problem, that is paying off people, ladies, who supposedly they wanted to buy off their silence because they alleged that they had sexual trysts with the president before he became president. They paid him money. It's against the law. Also, we had on the same day over in Alexandria, Virginia, Paul Manafort, who was for several months Donald Trump's campaign manager in 2016. He was just convicted on the same day of eight counts of fraud, bank problems, and other things. As a matter of fact, a jury found him guilty on tax and bank fraud charges, and uh, he had 18 counts altogether. He was found guilty of eight of them. The judge, T.S. Ellis, declared a mistrial on those 10 charges. He, at sentencing, when the verdict was read, he said nothing. He stood stoically looking at the jury. He heard the word guilty eight times. However, will he have time in prison or will he be given prison time? The way it works in the federal system is after you, there's been a guilty conviction. Generally, you are, the case is referred to the probation department of the federal court and they do a six week, uh, investigation of your life and what you've done. And that investigation is written up and given to the judge, the prosecutor, and the defense counsel. And basically, it also in that pre-sentence report, that's what it's called, they may give a sentencing recommendation. Paul Manafort is probably up for at least 10 years in prison for what he's been convicted of under the sentencing guidelines. Now, the real thing that people don't know, he was, people say, well, he was only convicted of eight charges. Well, here's the problem. If you knew, know how the U.S. sentencing guidelines work, and I do know that. As a matter of fact, I've tried cases over there in Alexandria, Virginia. Even if you're convicted of eight counts and ten counts are dismissed, there's a concept in criminal law called relevant conduct. When it comes to sentencing, the judge can sentence you on all the things that you were found guilty of by the jury, but the judge can also, in passing sentence, use the other charges that were not found, you found you guilty on. He can still use that relevant conduct to up your sentence if he or she as a judge wants to do that. I'm now, surprised about that. Well, again, you've probably never had the 
awful work of working with the U.S. sentencing guidelines. It's a piece of work. It really is. But anyway, many people don't know that. Will he, he has another trial coming up in September. This one will be in the District of Columbia, where I've also tried cases. I've been before Judge Ellis. I said he's a piece of work. I didn't particularly like trying cases over there in Alexandria, Virginia. Why? They call it the rocket docket. Everything goes faster there. In many trials, as a prosecutor or defense attorney, you get a chance to cross-examine a witness, to put on direct evidence by a witness, and that witness can be cross, cross-examined. Then you get a chance to redirect to try to, you know, help him. Mm-hmm. And then the other side can get recross. Well, over in Virginia, in the rocket docket, everyone gets direct and cross-examined. That's just once. You don't go into redirect or recross examination. As a matter of fact, a trial, and I've been in several trials over there, trials that would probably take three weeks in Washington, D.C., take a week. It's not unusual in Alexandria to pick your jury in 20 minutes. Why is that? Because a a jury list comes out at the first of the month. It doesn't have the names of the jurors but it has their addresses where they live in the county. And as lawyers, you're supposed to go and look at their house and try to find out where they live and what might their socioeconomic status might be. And you should be ready to pick a jury when the judge starts the case. Wow. So in this trial, they picked a jury and they had opening arguments or opening statements, not arguments, opening statements on the same day. It took a little more than 20 minutes for this jury, but it was about an hour, which I've been in trials, big trials, where it takes 10 days Mm. to pick a jury, you know, particularly in these high-profile cases. But anyway, it was a bad day because Michael Cohen, he was his former lawyer, as I said, of Mr. Trump, pleaded guilty to five counts of tax evasion, one count of making false statement and two campaign finance violations. Now, he also said he willingly caused illegal corporate contributions and made an excessive campaign contribution. That is, he sent money to this lady Stormy Daniels, who's considered a porn star, and to another young lady who had been a Playboy bunny, and the Porn star got 130,000. Playboy bunny, pre- previous bunny got 150,000. Now, the problem with this, Mr. Giuliani, the lawyer and spokesperson for Trump says, Oh, Trump isn't involved in any of this. You can, he hasn't been charged. Mr. Well, that's true, isn't it? Well, now wait, just wait. Let's stick with me here now. Mr. Cohen led guilty to paying off these people. That is known as solicitation. If he's guilty of solicitation, he's the person who was solicited. The person who did the soliciting is also guilty. And that person is guilty of the crime that was committed. Hmm. So if Mr. Cohen was told by Trump, to make this go away, give him some money, he solicited a crime because mm-hmm. it was in violation of the um, campaign finance. Yes, that campaign finance laws. You can't do amount. this. Mm-hmm. Well, the amount was over what you can give mm-hmm. 
and you're not supposed to give money to try to, you know, influence an election like this. It, the first amount of money went out to the victim in June of 2016, and the second one went out in October of 2016. This is just before the election. Sure. So now, like I say, I used to be a federal prosecutor. I know about solicitation. I know a lot about conspiracy. The problem is Mueller may not use this because the state part, the Justice Department says that you shouldn't indict a sitting president. However, there's always an exception to those rules. I don't know that he will be indicted. However, the concept in the law is that if you solicit someone to commit a crime, you're just as guilty as they are. Mm-hmm. That makes many, sense. many, it's many people fair. don't know about that. Mm-hmm. You could also be in a conspiracy. Someone says, do you want to help me pay off these porn stars or playboy bunnies? Mm-hmm. And you say yes, and you do it. Both of you are guilty of coming up with a crime, mm-hmm. something that's against the law. Mm-hmm. So it could be a very bad day for him. We haven't heard an awful lot from the president about this. I'm sure we will hear him tweeting, but it's starting to look like, in my opinion, the walls are closing in on our president. This is Birdsong. There's more to come. EJ is here with me. We're telling you some things you might not know about the law and may not want to know about the law. But we're here to tell you. (laughs) Stick with us. There's more. This is Birdsong. I'm back here. We have talked about the good, the bad, and the ugly. That last segment was bad and ugly. You can make your choice. Manafort convicted of eight out of 18 counts of fraud and uh, doing bad things about not paying taxes and bank fraud. And we had Mr. Trump, President Trump's lawyer, Mr. Cohen, pled guilty to eight counts of tax evasion and fraud and campaign finance violations. They are both going to jail. In our first segment, we talked about Aretha Franklin paying homage to her. She passed away on the 16th of August of 2018. EJ wanted to say something else about that. Many of you may know about uh, the college program. It's a different world. Uh, Denise, who was uh, it was a spinoff from the Bill Cosby show, and their older older daughter went went away to Hillman College. Which was an uh, an HBCU, historically black college, and um, the theme song for that program was sung by Aretha Franklin. Hmm. And um, you must have heard Aretha was married twice. Her second husband, um, they're divorced. They were divorced, but her second husband, Glenn Turman was the actor who he played uh, the colonel, Colonel Brad Taylor, in It's a Different World. Hmm. And um, he's the, he called her up to ask her, you know, about do, pl- singing the theme song. Hmm. 
Hmm. Good for him. Mm-hmm. I never really saw that show. I was stationed overseas when that was popular. But anyway, we've got to move on here. Thank he you for that. Ma- he was the math teacher. Thank he you for that math. information. Mm-hmm. I now want to come up with some dumb criminal law stories. These are true stories. This is the stories for the week. First one from New York. The headline. Panty raiding judge. A Long Island judge accused of snatching a pair of his neighbor's dirty panties was suspended by the state in April of 2018. Suffolk County District Judge Robert Sicale, 49, was put on paid leave after his arrest. The fact the facts of the case reveal that Sicale's 23-year-old East Islip neighbor was home alone on a Thursday when she heard a noise and saw a man matching the judge's description run off from her house. Sicali was later found carrying what? Multiple soiled female undergarments. Oh, my goodness. He was formally charged with second-degree burglary. (laughs) Panty-rating judge? (laughs) Oh, my God. What next? All right, our next story is from New Zealand. Would-be monkey thieves foiled. Would-be monkey thieves foiled. A band of crooks recently used bolt cutters to slip into a squirrel monkey enclosure at the Wellington Zoo in Newton, New Zealand. However, the monkeys pounced on the bandits, according to zoo officials who said some of the animals suffered scrapes during the scuffle. None of the monkeys was taken. The crooks are still at large. (laughs) (laughs) South Carolina. The headline reads, at least he was not a hamburglar. It's been reported that a hungry crook kicked down the door of a South Carolina home, all for what? Two chicken nuggets. The thief busted through the back door of a house in Columbia, South Carolina, and snatched the nuggets, valued at $1, from the refrigerator. (laughs) True story. Must have followed somebody home, stalked him. I guess so. He must have been hungry, too. Stalked him and knew that they had some McNuggets. Here's a story from Texas. The headline, Real Life Gangsters. It's been reported that burglars broke into a house and snatched a machine gun and drank two bottles of Cristal champagne. Each bottle cost him $300 apiece, according to police. Big Springs Police, that's Big Springs, Texas, are offering $1,000 reward for the champagne-popping bandits who also made off with the home security system. <laughs> they broke in, stole a machine gun, and drank champagne, and walked away with the security system. Oh, my God. We go overseas now to the United Kingdom. The headline read, There's such a thing as too much passion for the sport. And where's United Kingdom? Well, it's part of England and Ireland and Scotland. Okay. The story. A half-naked British man was caught on video camera having sex with the ninth hole at the Brackenwood Golf Course in Maryside, England. What? Quote, (laughs) that's definitely a game of golf. I will never forget, wrote the man who posted the video of the the pervert on the grass, pants down, sinking his you-know-what in the hole. <laughs> There's such a thing as too much passion for the sport. <laughs> Here's another one from the United well, Kingdom. It never works. The headline read, they were a little bit tied up at the time. 
was reported that fire alarms went off inside an Edinburgh, Scotland club during a bondage sadomasochism party, sending partiers into the street in nothing more than their jock straps, latex, and harnesses. Quote, we had 190 people there, so we were a bit panicked but controlled, club manager Taylor Crockett said. Of course, it turned out to be a false alarm. Thank heavens. <laughs> All right, there's more. You know, there just seem to be a lot of stories that I've found from the United Kingdom. Here's another one. The headline read, Don't Cross Her. Angie Reese, 49, of Dunstable, England, shot a mask intruder with a cross, cross with a crossbar after a band of thugs wielding hammers and machetes busted into her home. Reese, a former boxer, said she grabbed my crossbow and had a little tussle. And had a tussle with a machete-wielding man. She said she shot him in the stomach with her crossbow, and the gang fled. Don't cross her, says the headline. <laughs> Let's come back home. Wisconsin. Cat killer, retired lawman. Cat killer, retired lawman. A retired state trooper got so angry at the cats in his neighborhood for chasing away his beloved songbirds, he killed nine cats. His name, Paul Grenier, 73, of Portage, Wisconsin, allegedly trapped and killed them because they scared his feathered friends away from his bird feeder, said police who arrested him on animal cruelty charges. Cat killer, retired lawman. Boy, oh boy. Absolutely. That, that's too, too far. Well. To, to murder cats. <laughs> yeah. Well, here is our last story. It comes from Canada. This is a sad one, but it's true. The headline, Predator Snare Irony. Remember that. Predator Snare Irony. Predator Snare Irony. The parents of a 13-year-old girl tackled and restrained a man who had come to their home to have sex with their daughter. The parents said they called the police to report creepy messages their daughter had received on social media, but no one responded. So they set up a sting and recorded the incident on Facebook Live. We now learn that the Vancouver Island parents are being investigated for assault and false imprisonment. The mother fumed, quote, I'm arrested because we caught a predator that the police refused to catch. Exactly. Predator snare Irony, if I've ever heard it. All right, folks, those are our... They had to take law into their own hands. That's right. We're going to finish those stories. That's the stories for this week. Um, if you want to read more, you can go to my blog, birdsongslaw.com. That's birdsongslaw.com. You'll see some of these stories. You can read them free. If you want to buy some of my books, Professor Birdsong's Dumb Criminal Law Stories, go to my website, leonardbirdsong.com. Here's some riddles, EJ. First I'm riddle. Ready. First, first riddle. What was the most important invention after the telephone? Think about it, but don't tell me now. At the end of the show, I'll give you the answers if you can't get them, but these are easy. Second riddle. What do you call birds that stick together? What do you call birds that stick together? Finally. What do you do? What do you do when your dog chases people on a bike? What do you do 
when your dog chases people on a bike? Think about them. Don't give me the answer now. We'll come back at the end of the show, and I'll tell you all about the answers. This is Birdsong. I'm here with EJ. We're having fun on the radio, and hopefully we're dispensing a little knowledge. That's what we want to do here. Stick with us. We've got more to come. This is Birdsong back with you. Thanks for sticking with us. We're here every week. You've got information. We've got opinions. we got some news. And today we have a Paul Harvey story. As I tell people, Paul Harvey was a great broadcaster. He died at 84. His son, Paul Arant, wrote a number of stories for him that he would read on the air. Here's one I'm going to read today. It's called On His Own. Othmar Aman, he was an engineer for the Port of New York, uh, he was an engineer for the Port of New York Authority. He wanted out. Plenty of good years ahead of him. No reason not to quit. So he quit. Ignoring the risk of leaving a secure job, Othmar Aman decided he would form his own engineering company. He would open offices around the world. He would fulfill his designer dreams, would perform architectural miracles. And he did. Emerging from the comfort of his Port Authority position, he set out on his own. Because Othmar Aman was not afraid to take that big step, the world is graced with many magnificent monuments to his memory. They include the airport at Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, Dulles Airport in Washington, D.C., the Iranian highway system, the Connecticut and New Jersey turnpikes, the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania Civic Center superstructure, the United States Navy 600-foot radio telescope, the Walt Whitman Bridge in Philadelphia, the Throgs Necks Bridge in New York, and the world's longest suspension bridge extending from Staten Island to Brooklyn, the Verrazano Narrows. Why designers... Architects and engineers are still talking about Othmar Amon is obvious. But there's more, the rest of the story. Master builder Omar Amon was born in Switzerland. He came to the United States at the age of 25. He had studied at the Federal Polytechnic Institute in Zurich, Switzerland, and was prepared to take the world of engineering by storm. But he wound up working for the Port of New York Authority. His youthful accomplishments had been considerable. Yet, would he ever have the freedom to explore the phenomenal reservoir of his intellect while working for someone else? In 1939, Omar left that comfortable port authority position to form his own engineering company. You know the rest. He succeeded. He succeeded in his independence. He staggered the students of architectural design with masterpiece after masterpiece. He etched his name in steel and stone across this continent and then across a grateful globe. Two of his accomplishments were omitted earlier. They were the New York or New York's George Washington Bridge and San Francisco's Golden State Bridge. But those were completed before his retirement. 
we say retirement. For the true engineering marvels of Othmar Amman, the accomplishments of which he is most revered by today's engineers, all of the monumental masterworks attesting to the genius of Omar Amman were begun and completed between the time he, as a senior citizen, retired at 60 years of age and the time he completed the longest bridge in the world at 86. Mm. Now you know the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. He was on his own. <laughs> Othmar Aman. Never too late. Never too late. Yes, that should give a lot of people um, pause. All right. We're coming to the end of our stories today, and here's the riddle, riddle answers. What was the most important invention after the telephone, E.J.? Can't think of it. The second telephone. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. What was the most important invention after the telephone? The second one, the second telephone. All right, this was an easy one. you got to think about this. What do you call birds that stick together? Bird glue. Close. You call them Velcros. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the last one. What do you do about your dog that chases people on a bike? You can solve the problem by taking the dog's bike away. <laughs> what do you do to people who whose dog chase people on a bike? Take his bike away. <laughs> All right, those are our riddles for today. Let me give you my thought for the week. It's about leadership. Here it is. A good objective of leadership is to help those who are doing poorly to do well and to help those who are doing well to do even better. You heard it from Birdsong. We're going to have to sign off. Alvida Zane, Abiento, bye bye. This is Birdsong. We'll be back with you next week. <laughs>